Um, as Christian parents, I feel like there's no greater joy than to seeing our children walking with the Lord. Am I right? Uh, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes our kids go astray. Uh, sometimes they walk away from the faith that was modeled to them, from the morals and values that were instilled to them, uh, and even from their family. Like in the story, in the case of the prodigal son, which we're going to read in just a little bit, uh, a well-known story that talks about a good father and his two sons, right? Uh, one day, the youngest comes to his father and says, Father, I want my inheritance. And not, not many days later, he gathers all his things, and he goes and leaves to a far country, and there he wastes his possessions in prodigal living. After a while, the, the, sons, the son finds himself uh, without money, and in the middle of a famine. And he ends up feeding pigs. And in the middle of his mess, uh, the story tells us, and I want to start in verse 17 of Luke 15. In the middle of his mess, it says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. In recent Months, I have prayed for many, many moms and dads, most of them with children between the ages of 20 and 30, um, whose greatest desire is to see their kids return to the faith, return to the Lord. And as I listen to their stories and, and as I shared in a way in their grief and their pain, um, I began to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me. Give me something that I can say to these parents uh, on how they can reach their prodigals. Well, I, was, I wasn't surprised when we had our prayer vigil here at the church, and suddenly I realized that a lot of you in this congregation are praying for kids and grandkids to either affirm themselves in the faith or come back to the faith. And, and so it made my, my journey even more exciting as I was praying to the Holy Spirit because nothing would give me more joy than to seeing these parents and grandparents that I prayed for and grieved with than to see them worshiping God alongside their kids and their grandkids in their respective churches. I would love to see that, and I am so committed in the next few years, to see many prodigals come home. So if you have a prodigal and you need prayer, see me. I'm going to pray for you fervently, okay? Fervently. Uh, but to be honest with you, I don't think that there's a, a universal method uh, for bringing prodigals home. If there was, there wouldn't be so many parents and grandparents right now suffering for their prodigals, right? 
And the main reason why I don't believe there's a universal method to bringing prodigal son, uh, home is because every story is different. Every story is different. Life, it's kind of, life is funny sometimes. Um, there are children who grew up with exemplary parent, uh, parents, full of love, um, with a lot of attention, in a godly home, and if not perfect because no one is, but with parents who did their part in raising them in a, a God-honoring way, and even so, they got lost along the way. And I've, in the same way, there's children, right, that if not perfect because no one is, they're tender-hearted, they're kind, they're naturally good, you know, in a way, and, and they have parents who didn't do a good job raising them, and even then still, they walk with God. It's a complex subject. It's not really a black and white subject, but although it's not a one-size-fits-all uh, subject, I do believe that there's principles that, that, that Jesus himself gave us so that we can learn how to reach our prodigals. And to find these principles, what I want us to do is, I want us to take our focus off of the prodigal son and put all of our attention on the good father. On the good father. So here's five principles, the good father principles, to reach our prodigals. How many of you are ready to do that? And I've, I've, I've prayed and I asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, please give me something because I, I cried with many in the last two months, especially. Uh, number one, how can we reach our prodigals? Number one, give up guilt. Give up guilt. I, I want to make a statement that may or may not surprise you, but I think it's just reality. You could have done everything perfectly as a parent and still end up with a prodigal child. Let me say that again. You could have done everything perfectly as a parent and still end up with a prodigal child. I personally know prodigals who were raised by godly parents. But how can this be? How can this be? Well, listen, we are all sinners. And sometimes we forget as parents that our children are also struggling with their natural desires to pursue evil. And I know, I know that when they're born, they're cute. They're like little angels. And angels they are, fallen angels. <laughs> Nevertheless, cute, right? But seriously, we are all born sinners. We're born into sin. And oftentimes when our children go after evil, our, the enemy, the enemy of our souls uses them to take control over our mood, to lower our self-esteem, our self-worth. And ultimately, the enemy uses these things to keep us from fighting for our children in prayer. And what I have found out about myself as a parent is that I make it easy to the enemy to place blame on me. Why? Because in my mind, I am responsible for the decisions and behavior of my children. As a parent, my children, my children's choices reflect 
on me. At least that's what I tell myself all the time. But let's be honest. How many parents look within themselves for the reason why their children are the way they are? Or why their children got lost along the way? See, as a church, the church, the big C, right? We haven't done ourselves any favors, right? We, we, we read, for example, verses like Proverbs 22, verse 6. What does Proverbs 22, verse 6 says? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And what is our interpretation of this verse as Christians? Well, if I teach my children the way of righteousness, then my children will always walk in paths of righteousness. That's, that's our interpretation, right? That's our conclusion when we read this verse. But this is not always true. I personally have cried with parents and grandparents this month whose reality does not reflect this Bible interpretation. I personally know great parents who did their best and it still didn't work out. Their kids don't walk in the way of righteousness. So when I read Proverbs 22, verse 6, and I dig a little deeper, I realize that it does not refer to how someone educates their children. But it, it, it explains of, uh, of how someone enhances their natural gifts, abilities, and talents. Right? So, for instance, if your child is, um, shows interest in certain level of skill in music, right, and you as a parent encourages them to go after music and maybe pay lessons and buy them a musical instrument, right? Well, what this verse promises is that when they're old, they probably will be successful in music, right? So Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 has nothing to do with teaching morals and values to our children, as important as that is, and please spare the world. Do that. But it has to do more with how we guide them and point them towards their natural gifts and their natural talents, their God-given purpose, right? So let me ask you just a question. Do you, do you consider God to be a good father? How many of you say Amen. I'm setting you up here. Yes, of course. So what did God do wrong as a father with Adam and Eve? Think about it. Perfect father, perfect environment, and yet they went astray. They were fooled into sin. Now, my question to you. What makes us think that we can do better than God? And I'm not giving anyone permission not to try to be a good mom and a good dad or to try to teach them good morals and good values, please do. But I think it's important that we keep things in perspective. Hear me out. No matter how perfect 
we try to be for our kids as parents, we will most likely leave some gaps. What do I mean by gaps? It's impossible not to make mistakes. It's impossible to get it right in every moment, in every season, in every opportunity. Listen, only the Holy Spirit can fill the gaps in our children's life. My prayer in the last few months that I've been talking to many parents with prodigal children is, Holy Spirit, please help me to be a good dad, to raise my kids in a God-honoring way. But please, Lord, fill in the gaps, the gaps that I will likely leave behind because I'm not equipped. I'm not designed to be everything for my children. Holy Spirit, please help me. Trust me, no matter how perfect we try, how hard we try, we're going to leave some gaps. And the reason why is because we have our own gaps to fill. Gaps that the Holy Spirit is hopefully filling in every day in our lives. Don't allow the enemy to, to use your children to bring condemnation to your heart. Let me, let me say that again. Don't allow the enemy to use your children to bring condemnation to your heart. Oh, it's... I've, I've, I've talked to so many. They're like, oh, well, if I had not gotten divorced, if I had not moved to a different town, if, if I had not done this or done that, or if we would have done this differently. Don't allow the enemy to use your children to bring condemnation to your heart. In fact, let's make this statement. I have to make it almost every day. Say, say with me, by grace, by grace, I am a good... All right, let's, let's do it with a little bit more conviction. You ready? All right, ready? By grace, I am a good father. Yeah. And if your kids don't say it, just allow your father to say it over you. Now, always allow the Holy Spirit to search you, right? To reveal your own heart, your own mistakes, but only allow it to the Holy Spirit. And if your spouse is a godly man or a godly woman, then also allow them to help you. But when the Holy Spirit reveals to you, maybe your part to play. Again, we're broken people. Here's the principle number two in the story. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Acknowledging our mistakes as parents does not diminish our authority. On the contrary, it removes any barriers. Barriers like accusation, right? Accusation that some children will use to excuse their behavior. Hear me out. I know because I did this. I know because I did this. Well, that is, you never... Mom, you, you always, it's because of how you parent that I am this way and that way and this way, right? But true repentance, the, 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 the repentance that is born of the Spirit of God will free you from all accusations. And even if the accusations will con 
continue. Or even if you come to your children and you ask them for forgiveness and they don't have the heart to forgive you, you can move on. Because if you were sensitive to the, to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, your heavenly Father is pleased with you. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, has cleansed you from all sin. And at that moment, let God work. Let God work in your children's heart. And while He works, because how many of you know that God is always working? Even when I can't see it, even when I can't feel it, even when there's no evidence to support my claim, God is always moving. And while God is working in your children's heart, do number three. You ready? This is the hardest one for me. Love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. Depending on how you are raised, loving unconditionally can be difficult. Many of us did not learn from our parents how to love unconditionally. You know, I have realized this about myself, and I hope that you're okay with honesty. Are you guys okay with honesty? Okay. You can judge me. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm used to it. Uh, but I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, much of the love that I show to my kids is conditional. Yeah, honestly. It's based on behavior and performance. How do I know that? Well, because oftentimes my reputation is more important than my children. I have convinced myself that my children reflect on my job as a parent. So the expectation that I have placed on my children is don't make me look bad. Don't embarrass me. What will people say? What are people going to think of me? And I'm not the only one. I may be about the only one willing to admit it, but I'm sitting there on that, on that chair and I'm looking at my kids dance with their little palm trees and I'm thinking, please, Lord, please, Lord, let them not act up. Please, Lord, let them not act up. I don't know if I can take it, Lord. I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> oh, I'm messed up. <laughs> but there's a phrase that uh, the Lord has been using to to heal me, and, and to help me break away from that way of thinking. I want to share with you, okay? You can write it down, tattoo it. I'm just kidding. Uh, put it on your fridge. That's a much better option. Um, but this is, has been really helpful to me, all right? My children do not exist to make me look good. My children exist for the glory of God. My children do not exist to make me look good. My children exist to the, for the glory of God. So I must open my heart to the Spirit of God to, so, so that He can help me. So my automatic response to their failures and their shortcomings will be not rejection, but unconditional love. 
And this is why, where, where a lot of Christians get it wrong. And they say things like, well, brother, you can't agree with their sin. Agreed. Well, brother, we have to take a stand. Also agree. But this is also important, and I hope that you can hear my heart when I say this to you. Showing unconditional love does not mean you're condoning your children's sin. Or I ask you, did God approve of your sin when He showed you unconditional love? No. He did not. A lot of, a, a lot of the, these things we do because we're prideful. And we don't want our kids to make us look bad. The good father inspires me. Because in verse 20 of Luke 15, it says that when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Notice, the good father saw his son even when he was still far away. Can you imagine? I can picture this good father going about his business every day, working on the land, being at home, constantly, daily, looking in the direction where he last saw his son leaving. Ready, ready to go running towards him, ready to go and embrace him, ready to go and kiss him, ready to show unconditional Love. I want to be like this good father. And in case you haven't noticed, the good father is God the Father. And you know what strikes me the most about this story? Is that the son never questioned whether or not his father would welcome him back home. The only thing he questioned was his position in the house as a son. But he knew instinctively, he knew that God would, that God the Father, the Father will always open his doors to him. Having said that, and I'm trying to keep this very balanced. I hope I'm doing a good job on that. But having said that, the Father, the good Father, also, number four, Trusted in the process. He trusted in the process. He trusted in the process. Think about it. The good father could have sent out to get his son after a few months. He could have said to his servants, Hey servants, I need you to go find my son. Bring him back home. Or, when the famine struck the region, the good father could have helped his son. Right? He could have said, hey, I'm going to send him some money. Venmo, me, something. Right? He could have sent him money. But in his love, the good father waited until his son experienced brokenness. If the good father had been like many of us today... He would have rushed to help his son. But had he not waited for his son to face the consequences of his sin, then what the good father would have managed to do would have been to, to get his son out of trouble in the moment. But maybe the son had, would have never come home for good. The key, if you have a prodigal child, 
no matter how difficult it is, you must let them face the consequences of their sin. Let, let me illustrate it to you this way. You shouldn't bail your children out of jail all the time. If they, if they repeat the behavior over and over again, just an idea, go see them every day in jail. Go visit them, but don't bail them out. Right? They need to face the consequences of their sin. Right? This was, the, this was what the good father did. He, he trusted in the process. I mean, I can imagine this has been really, really difficult for the good father. I mean, as parents, we want, we want to avoid our kids any kind of pain. Right? We don't want them to suffer. We don't want them to feel pain. Right? Just like our parents, by the way, wanted to avoid the pain for us, and just as our grandparents wanted to avoid our parents the pain. But that doesn't work all the time. Right? We live in a sinful world. And just like us, our children need to have a personal encounter with Jesus. And just like us, our children need to have a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. And maybe, why not said so, perhaps they need to learn from their own mistakes, as many of us have done. Not always the ideal way to learn, <laughs> But oftentimes, the only way to learn, unfortunately, right? Here's, here's an interesting fact for you that love interesting facts about Scripture. Most likely, the famine that this family experienced that hit the region took about seven to ten years to come. In other words, the prodigal son didn't come home right away. He did not. I mean, it wasn't the next week or after a month or even the next year. No, 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 no. It took a long time before the son was broken enough to come home. And the good father had to wait perhaps longer than he wanted to wait. Just as many parents and grandparents are probably waiting right now longer than they want to wait. Is it hard to wait Yes. Is it necessary to wait? Yes. Right? Now, I don't mean to bum you out. So, when that day comes, when that day comes, because it will come. Can you say amen to that? It will come. It will come. The day when you will see your prodigals coming home you'll see them in the distance and right and you're there you're ready to go you're ready to run to them you're ready to hug them do run hug them kiss them embrace them with your love and number five and tell the person next to you he's almost done five <laughs> guard your words guard your words you see the good father didn't say to his son, oh, I need to wait for an apology before I can hug you. Right? In fact, before he could even, the son could even say anything, the father, what, what did he do? He embraced him, right? 
Now, I'm not saying that repentance is not important, okay? On the contrary, repentance is, is an is a important, essential part of restoration. I understand that, right? But after his son repented, the good father didn't say to his son, Now, son, you owe me an apology. You owe me an explanation. See, son, I told you so. Admit it. No. The good father did not bring up the past over and over again. No, the good father simply turned the page. How many, how many prodigal children walk with guilt for what they did? In my experience, many. They already feel bad. Now, how many moms and dads are unable to, unable to turn the page? In my experience, many as well. I've talked to a few. And it's hard for them to turn the page. Moms, dads. And when I say moms and dads, I'm talking about grandparents and great-grandparents because you guys are also moms and dads, right? You never stop being a mom and a dad, right? Okay. Just like your heavenly father does not bring up your past, don't bring up the past of your prodigals. Turn the page. Guard your words. Set your focus on the fact that they came home. Just like your heavenly father does with you. For this son was dead and now is alive. He was lost and now is found. That should be your attitude. Don't become the older brother. Right? How many Christians suffer from the older brother syndrome? Right? Proudly taking a stand and proudly looking down on the sinner who's, who was forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. We must learn to turn the page. Because one thing that I have learned is that I am also likely to fail. And at some point during the day, I'm going to need God's grace. And at some point during the day, I'm going to need other people's grace to me. I want to finish up by declaring this prophetic word over you uh, that God gave Malachi. You know that verse, but I want to declare it anyways. Malachi 4.6. I pray that this becomes the reality in every Christian home. Malachi 4, 6. And he will turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. How many of you say amen? I want this fulfilled in every Christian home. In every Christian home, regardless of your child's age. I want this fulfilled. 